Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, welcome to the Sage Sayers. I'm your show host, Debbie Gardner McCullough, DG McCullough. I'm a narrative coach, a communications coach, and a mental fitness coach from New Zealand based in the fine state of Wisconsin. In each episode, the Sage Sayers unpacks communications, tips, and strategies, and we interview interesting individuals from all around the world who found the gift, the opportunity, and even some knowledge in life's inevitable challenges. Season 3, Episode 23. My guest today is Azra, and that's all I'm going to say because I'm going to hand it over to Azra to introduce herself. Well, thank you, Debbie. Uh, my name is Azra. I am a project manager and a product manager at PwC. Um, outside of work, I love to just be creative, to be thoughtful and mindful with how I live. Um, I love to surround myself by people that just bring me joy. Um, I like to call them my sunshine crew. And most importantly, I like to be curious with myself in the world. I think there's just so much to learn. And I'm really grateful to be here with you today, Debbie. Oh, well, thank you for coming to the Sage Sayers. And I'm so glad our paths cross. Oh, remind me where you're based. You're in the States, right? Yes, I am. I am based in Atlanta. Oh, beautiful. Great city. So you're part of the South. And one of many reasons we've connected is we've been co-workers together. We've worked on projects together. And we also have a shared love of travel. You've done a lot of travel in your youth as a younger woman. You're still young now, but an even younger woman. And you continue to travel today. It's a big part of who you are. And that's something we share in common. I too have done a lot of travel. And I wondered, could you start out just by sharing with us why travel is such a big part of who you are today. And I'd love to recreate that beautiful story you told me about your first sabbatical. I would love to share. Um, So travel has been a part of my identity since I was a child. I have been traveling since I was two years old with my parents. My parents are from East Africa. So my grandparents, well, my family lives in Kenya and Tanzania. So since I was probably less than two, my parents have always made the effort for us to travel, to visit family. For a majority of my childhood, I spent my summers, you know, out in the Sahara and Africa deserts and, you know, everywhere that I could travel with them. And as I grew older, my parents kind of found that travel was such a good way to learn and grow. And so instead of getting birthday presents, we would get to pick a place that we wanted to travel to that year. And that would kind of be our present. And still today, I don't get physical presents. We just get the presence of traveling, which I think is wonderful. And so I have traveled to about 32 countries and that... 32 countries. 32. And I'm 30, so more to go. Whoa, that's a lot. (laughs) It is. It really is. And what a beautiful gift. And I know that you'll tell me about your travels with your parents, but what, what, actually, I'm going off script already, unfortunately, perhaps, but hopefully, fortunately. Uh, What were some of your formative travel memories? What's some of the vibrant ones that stand out from those girlhood days where you traveled so prolifically even then? 
Yeah. You know, to be honest, I think a lot of my values and my core beliefs come from just the time that I spent in East Africa. I think, you know, you live in a Western world, you live with all the advances of technology and, you know, we take Wi-Fi and computers for granted and, you know, getting to spend summers and even a whole year living in Kenya. I think I really felt like that grounded me in what reality was in this world. It wasn't, you know, going to the store, being able to drive and feeling safe. There was so much that I learned from that, watching others around me that didn't have the same things that I did. I think I came back, you know, and I've grown up here in the Western world, but I feel like I'm grounded in those roots of part two, you know, what it means after to have awful. beginnings, um, you know. You don't always get that. You know, you don't get to always get to that here. Um, so I think that would probably be one of my most formative uh, memories growing up. And then I think, do you remember? You know, do as, you have a specific one for us in East Africa? Yeah, I do. You know, I um, it's quite unfortunate, but I think a lot of it is around just poverty. Mm. Um, I think poverty is such an interesting thing to see mm. because you put on the news and, you know, they say you can feed a child in Africa and you see it, on, you know, you just, you see it, but you don't really get to experience it. And I think I was about seven years old. I very much remember this. Um, right outside of the building that we lived in, we lived in a nice, you know, building that had security guards, you know, felt very safe, but just one block away there was what they call the slums and where little children and moms and, you know, parents would sleep. They would, in the morning, they would have their food stalls. And then at night they would just sleep next to where they worked. And mm. it was just really, really hard to see. And I remember one day I asked my mom, like, you know, we live, we have this food in our house and have extra blankets. And there's people right outside our door that don't have those things. Like, why can't we, give our extras or give what we don't need. Mm. Um, that weekend, I remember my mom, you know, taught us the importance of giving and, and I was able to sort of, you know, go to the people that are kind of my next door neighbors and give with no intention of receiving anything back, but just the gratitude of knowing that there is so much life that mm. is still lived. And there is so much happiness that even the people in the slums, they, they were happy. They didn't know what bigger things were. But just the gratitude, human to human, of mm. it's not that I have more than you and I'm giving you my wraps. It's that I want you to be warm and I want you to feel safe. And I think that was one of the first times as a child that I really understood what it meant to have privilege. Traveling mm. um, is full privilege. The fact that I have... Money, time, energy, a physical ability, and traveling is the true definition of privilege. Mm -hmm. And a job um, waiting. And a job that, yeah. or a job, a relationship with your work that provides the exactly. punctuation to continue that love for travel even today. Exactly. Yeah. So a beautiful reflection there. And from what I know of our work and friendship together, that is part of who you are today. It is one of your many values that you bring into your brand. And that story just reminds me of the power of travel. And when you had this other punctuation in your life, you took a sabbatical by yourself 
a travel yeah. sabbatical, not a staycation yeah. sabbatical. Tell us where you went and yeah. what happened. Uh, so I spent three months in Hawaii and um, it actually stemmed from the pandemic, to be honest. I felt like I had lived my life in the fast lane and the pandemic, you know, while there was a lot of awful things that happened, there were also a lot of really great blessings from it. And I think the ability to sort of sit in stillness and recognize that there's things on the inside that I really needed to work through. That's kind of where it stemmed from. I really needed to focus on my mental health. And October 2021, I just asked, you know, I talked to my employer at work. I did. And the best piece of advice that I got that I still tell everyone that I need, if you don't ask, no one's going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. So I asked, I simply asked, you know, I'm really not feeling well with my mental health. I really need to take some time. Is it possible for me to take time? And if so, how much time can I take off? And very, brave. very grateful. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. Um, I was very and honest. That I got brave and honest. Mm-hmm. And I got to take six months off, three of which I took in Hawaii, and then three of which I came back home here in Atlanta and kind of used that as sort of a readjustment to life. Um, But it was such a great experience to really connect me to myself. And, you know, if you asked me, why did I pick Hawaii? I get that question a lot. It's primarily because I knew I wanted to be surrounded by nature. I think one of the things that I learned is that I feel, you know, happiest when I can just be with nature and living in the suburbs and living in big cities has not really given me the nature that I've been looking for. Mm. Um, So I think that'd be one thing. And then secondly, I had a expired passport and I couldn't go anywhere. So the furthest place that I could go with my U.S. passport. (laughs) So that's kind of how that blend came. And that's how I got to spend some time there. How beautiful. And I didn't ask why Hawaii because I knew it would come out, but also who doesn't want to go to Hawaii? <laughs> I don't know. It's on, certainly on my bucket list. But, um, yeah, you, it's lovely that you, how that all came about. And, again, you know, bravery, honesty. Our body speaks to us and our sage speaks when we need that time and you bravely took it. And what did you find when you got there? What did the Hawaiian people and its beautiful nature teach you or remind you? Yeah. You know, it's a really good question. I really think it taught me that sometimes paradise is not a place, but it is a state of consciousness and a feeling on the inside. Mm-hmm. And I think for the, if we're being very honest, the first few months of my sabbatical, I was looking for the external, oh, I'm going to sit at the beach and I'm going to tan and I'll be fine. And, you know, I'll be well and good. And I did that for the first couple of weeks that I was there and I did not find what I was looking for. And, you know, you meet that milestone where you just kind of want to give up and you're like, I can't seem to find the answer that I'm here for. And, you know, when you're not looking for something, that's when it comes to you. And I got to sit in true stillness and figure out what I needed, what I wanted. It was the first time in my life that I actually felt like I was able to 
articulate what I needed, what I wanted, what my needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spent so much of my life kind of being a caregiver and a problem solver for others and a people pleaser. And this was the first time in my life that I was surrounded by none of the things that I knew of myself. And I was able to really sit and trust my feelings, trust that, you know, I'm going to wake up one day, I'm not feeling so great. So I get to plan what my day looks like based on how I felt in the morning or what I needed. And that is just something that is so different than, you know, being at home or being on a vacation or a staycation that I don't think I had ever gotten. So you were saying that being away, people, oh, that's right. I know where we left off. People were saying, maybe start over where you say, people say sabbatical. Isn't, how is that different to it? Isn't that just a vacation? So maybe start there. People say. A lot of times people say that a sabbatical, isn't that a vacation? And I really do have to disagree because for me, you know, a vacation is somewhere that you're going where you are experiencing the external things. And to me, a sabbatical is really an inward process for me. And it just so happened to be in Hawaii to sort of that inward juices flow. But I really do feel like there is so much growth that I got from being able to do both, to be honest, to be to be able to have, you know, weeks and months for a true sabbatical within myself that I got to travel and explore at the same time where I could, you know, do the things like go scuba diving and, you know, go on a submarine and do all those exploratory things. But I got to do them at the same time. But my primary goal was, you know, not to just do all the touristy things. It was really to, to get to know myself and explore, you know, be my own tour guide, but just for myself. <laughs> I love that description, Azra. And I'm remind, can I share a small story about me that may or may not relate? When I was in my 20s, 30-some years ago now, I lived in Japan and worked there for four years, a year in Singapore. And within the time I was in Japan, I'd often go on backpacking hiatuses and would just tell my employer, I'm taking this leave, will you let me go? And if they said no, I'd just find another job when I got back. I was very bohemian. <laughs> But you can do these things in your early 20s when you're having, I had no family obligations, it was just me. When I backpacked with friends, I didn't find I had the same, although there was some comfort traveling with fellow female backpackers, and I had friends from all over the world in Tokyo, friends from Scotland, friends from America, Canada, all over, African friends. I had a wonderful gaggle of interesting international woman friends. But I kind of preferred that sabbatical feeling when it was just me. And even if we did travel in a pack, I would pull away and have those moments, sometimes days at a time, because I loved, just like you said, the moment where you woke up and depending on your mood, your mood is what and your energy is what guided your day versus an itinerary, places to be at a certain time. And because I tend to have a pleaser tendency too, especially when I travel, or especially if we're eating out, I'll just go wherever everyone wants to go, often at the expense of my enjoyment. I didn't have to do that. So I loved that part. And I think it, I also found I, am, I connected more with locals alone than I did traveling with others. And then I just loved that time to think and draw and contemplate. 
What else did you, I know you travel with your parents now as well and you enjoy that very, very much. Tell us about that and then I have a final question too on what changed in your life a little bit from that yeah. from that punctuation. So what's it like traveling yeah. with your folks? And I know you enjoy very much taking them to new places too. Do you know, I think they take me to new places more than I take them. I'm definitely their third meal, so I cannot take credit for it. How cute. Um, they invite you though. <laughs> they want you there. They do with me. They, they, I think in their life, they've only been on one vacation without me. So, <laughs> and it, it, do it, you know, they, they are just such loving and wonderful people. And I'm so grateful to have loving parents like that, who we can share this common love for travel together. Um, and, you know, it's been really lovely that over the last few years, especially, you know, my parents have gotten older and, or, you know, picking places that are on their bucket list because, you know, soon, you know, we're not immortal. <laughs> we cannot always have great health and abilities. So we're taking time to sort of travel to places that are on their bucket list. And what I love about traveling with my parents is that I get to experience a place in their shoes because I'm with them and because we get to have conversations um, like a great example is last summer we had gone to the Middle East. Um, and, you know, the Middle East, there's many different countries and areas. And my perspective has always been what I've seen on the news. You know, I've never known anything but what I've read. And it was so fascinating to be there with my parents because they had such a different perspective. You know, they grew up in East Africa. They, you know... You know, we're Muslim, so they uh, an understanding and connection to the people. And it was just so interesting to learn from them how there's so many things that we have in common. We, we feel so, not only the Middle East, but other parts of the world as well. We feel sometimes so disconnected and we're in our own little bubble. And until you can really experience that and really understand history and culture and all of those, you really get to see the sphere of what makes a country, a person, a culture. And I think my parents kind of helped me round out my perspective because they have, you know, 60 plus years of history that they've watched and been a part of and understand. And I love to learn that from them because it, it really does allow me to sort of see the beautiful threads that humanity has in a way that I, you know, find with my own biases and blind spots. So they really do help me experience the place with, with a lot more depth than I would have if I was traveling on my own. How beautiful. That is such a lovely account of the love of traveling with your parents. And you're so right. The, I'm looking forward to going to visit my New Zealand first family, leaving on Sunday, first time in many years, COVID separated us. And uh, I just love learning from my mum and my dad and my uncle and my aunt. Just fantastic to learn from them. I wondered in our closing question today, and although I'm going to bring you back with your permission, I think we've only only peeled off one or two layers here and much more to share, but you and I are working women and we're both ambitious and we both are driven professionals. How has your love for travel and that, those precious insights, both traveling with your parents and deepening your understanding of the situation through traveling with them and your own travel. How has it helped you in your career today? 
probably a broad question, yeah. but what are maybe three top things that have come up, come up from just travel? For me, it's confidence. A big piece is confidence, for instance. For me, I think there's an inward and an outward. So I think the outward is the ability to communicate. Mm-hmm. I think going to new places where you may not speak the language, you may not understand or even look at the letters and understand but still a way to communicate. And I think a lot of times in the business world, we, for example, I'm a product manager and I have to talk to developers and we speak different languages when you really think about it. We have the same problem to solve, but the language that we speak in a way is different. So I think I approach working with teams and working with, you know, collaborations as two people in two different languages trying to communicate and get to a a common place or a common goal that you're trying to get to. So I think for me, a lot of it comes from just this understanding of communication and not, you know, Spanish in Spain is different than Spanish in South America. So while there are sometimes similarities, there are also differences that have to be accounted for. So I think for me at work, that has been one really, really great thing. And then I think inwardly, I think it has been a true investment in myself and in my own development. I feel like, you know, if you ask me how my savings account is doing, I would say, go look at all of the travels that I've done. And that's probably where it'll be. But the investment in myself, um, you know, I feel very blessed that I'm in this phase of my life where I don't have children and I'm not married yet. And while I want those things in my future, Right now I get to be with myself, I really get to invest in that growth and that learning and that exploring, you know, not that you can't do it when you're older and have children, obviously, you know, yourself and my parents have taught me that that is possible, but it is different mm-hmm. um, to be able to do it right now. I think allows me to just invest in my growth and whatever comes from that. Um, you know, I know you and I have had conversations about how it's built confidence you're able to problem solve. And I completely agree with that. So, you know, for me, it's It's an investment and it gives you agility. Exactly. That that freedom, liberation, the, you know, the kind of go with the flow where you don't have to have all the plans figured out. You know, I'm a very organized person, so I like to have a rough plan. Um, But my friends will tell you that they are always shocked that I have not planned every minute out because that's what I do at work. But and when I travel, I, I like to go with the flow because in the world, you can't have expectations of what your experience will be like because then, you know, you're pigeonholing yourself for something. So to be able to just have that sense of liberation when I do get to travel to me is the thing that I look forward to most. Beautiful, Azra. Final closing question. And thank you for reminding me of the gifts and the opportunities and the knowledge from travel. Where are you traveling next? You know, <laughs> it's a good question. I am actually planning on going to San Francisco. Um, I am planning on being there in January. So that is the next place that I'm going domestically. And then internationally, I did actually have a trip to New Zealand planned. Oh, in how exciting. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you yeah, fresh notes when I return. Please <laughs> do. It's a trip I want to take for so long. I just needed to have some time. But as of now, domestically, I'll be going to California. And then internationally, hopefully New Zealand.
Well, Azra, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you so much, Debbie. I'm really grateful for the opportunity. And do you want my listeners to reach you? And if so, how can they reach out and say hi and swap travel notes or tell you what they thought of the show? Absolutely. I'm more than happy to share my email address and my Instagram. (laughs) We'll add it to the show notes. Yeah, I can totally do that. Or LinkedIn or whatever works, but I'm open to everything. Well, thank you, Azra. Take good care and happy travels. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to DG McCullough with The Sage Sayers, a podcast on business communications and mental fitness, finding the sage approach to life's challenges. If you'd like to coach and train with me on any communication or life challenge, visit my website, hangingrockcoaching.com or find me on LinkedIn with the hashtag bravecommunicators. Both links you'll find within the show notes. I want to thank my producer, Doton, for his elegant edits, making these episodes beautiful in ways far beyond my skills. You can find Doton on Fiverr under Titan32. And thank you to my coaches all over the globe who spark creative ideas for each episode. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.